Once again, it's the Hole in My Heart podcast. Today, episode eight, Pillar People. Or is it Pillar People? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it's Pillar. I, I don't know. However you want to put the emphasis. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the wrong and we've there. got a guest for today's episode. Our first guest on the I Hole know. in My Heart podcast. Moving up in the world. Got to be on our best behavior, though. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks so much. We're so glad you guys are here. I am Lori Krieg here with my husband, Matt. Hello. Producer Steve and our guest, Pastor David Beelan of Hello. Madison Square Church. We're so glad he's here. Um, I've been looking forward to recording this since we started doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yay, two months ago. <laughs> but I still have been looking forward to doing this. Long time. <laughs> as we talk about um, pillar people and talk about our and talk with our mentor, Dave Beelan. And he is one of the people who is a pillar person in our lives. A few months ago, I wrote a blog about just the, the core people. So when we say pillar people, we mean people who are just those foundational people in your life that help um guide you on a pathway toward more of Christ-likeness. And so we're not meant to do this life alone. I think I've lived Lone Ranger life at times in my life. That's my default. Um, But more and more, I'm so grateful for those pillar people in our life. And I want to hear from you guys. So that was the question of the week from last week. So I'm going to start with Matt and just hear what are a couple of those people or groups of people in your life um, who helped to support you and make you look more like Jesus? Yeah, well, uh, the most fortunate thing is, Lori, you are definitely one of those people. Oh, so thanks. So don't don't blush. But, but you <laughs> I think are. this is like the third compliment you've given me on these podcasts. I, this is why I'm doing it. Well, you I know, just need to hear is, these words of affirmation. This is number eight, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's not even half the time. So get a hold of yourself. Um, <laughs> now I feel bad. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think my dad has, has been a, a really big... A, pillar person for me. He, Mm. um, even though we live in different States, I know that when things get tough for me, Mm. um, he's always someone that I can talk to. And he's someone that is always going to point me back to Jesus, which annoyed the heck out of me Mm. when I was in high school. (laughs) Cause I was like, no, I, uh." (laughs) but (laughs) now I'm like, wait, no, talk about that. uh, What would that sentence be? Okay. So it'd be like, Wait, what is the uh? Yeah. Um, it would be more like, Dad, I'm I, I don't want you to Jesusify this. Huh. And so but I've I've come <laughs> to appreciate that because while yes at times there there was I, I think the feeling in me that there was I wasn't being listened to, um, now I realize that he's just so rock solidly hmm. tied to Jesus that he can't help but but mm. bring Jesus into the conversation. And so that, that actually is much more meaningful to me now mm. than, than it was, well, 15 years ago. So And every parent listening sighed. So thanks for that <laughs> gift you gave the parents. <laughs> There's hope, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Steve? Well, I'm, there have been many over the years, and I think also I would say my wife, mm-hmm. like, you know, definitely don't yeah. want to neglect to mention her of, uh, of 25 years, and that's huge. Wow. But... Uh, I would say your dad. Oh, my dad, who, Randy Heckman. Yeah, who I've known, um, I guess, it's I don't know, probably close to 20 years now. But wow. just have had the opportunity to sort of like over the years check in. It's not yeah. like a, a constant regular thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, here recently, he and I probably see each other every month, month and a half or so. And it's just always a real shot in the arm yeah. um, to have access to him, his wisdom. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, my friend Andrew, who I've talked about in the past yeah. on the podcast, yep. uh, it was tough. I guess it's been it's 
over 10 years ago, like 12 years ago, that they moved away. Yeah. And that was a, a, a rough year. I didn't even realize it going in like, oh, yeah, you're going to Chicago. That'll be great. And then yeah. it was like, oh, uh, this sort of valley of oh, drought yeah. after that. Yeah. But God has provided other guys. I've talked about John, who's in my life now. So, yeah. um yeah, real grateful uh, for some of these guys that uh, have, I've had access to their wisdom and their insight. Yeah. Here's a question for you, Steve. Yeah. What do you look for in a pillar person? Like, so after Andrew left and you're like, you feel that like void, what do you look for in someone? Uh, well, I think at the time I worked with Andrew, so I saw him yeah. every day, uh -huh. every day. We're shoulder to shoulder, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, I wish there was somebody that I worked with that I could see every day, but yeah. I knew that that's probably not realistic, yeah. you know? And um, yeah. so I think in terms of character, somebody who is working it out, who mm. I think um, is okay with the mess, has like made peace with the mess of life, yeah. but pursuing God and uh, working it out through just discipline mm. and humility. Yeah. Um, so just authenticity, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's That answers huge. your question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, for me, someone that I, I look toward is, of course, Matt, and I've mentioned that. And some of my sisters, I have six sisters, and we are constantly group texting. Yeah. <laughs> and like, to the point where you're like, okay, I can't do this right now. Um, but it's really nice to have that. Like, you can say, please pray for me, and they will, mm. and they'll like send a funny gif or a picture or something to go along with it. But I know that they're in my corner. Also, we just started a small group and we had been mm -hmm. praying for yeah. a small group for a long time and like for the right people. And so I just want people who are listening right now and you're like, uh, you have all these people in your corner and I have no one. Honestly, it starts with prayer. It yeah. starts with like, Jesus, will you please, I've sensed this void. I sense I need like not just one person, but people, mm -hmm. multiple. Community. Yeah, community. So we've been praying and then we found other people were also praying for that community. And um, it took courage, you yeah. know, like you, it doesn't often happen like, oh, my coworkers, also right. my BFF. Well, I should say yeah. that even him, Andrew, yeah. for the first year I knew him, I didn't feel like we clicked. Like uh -huh. I, I, he wasn't like a natural friend. Like right. we ha had similar interests interests and right. stuff. But when I became desperate and the need was there, yeah. it wasn't about our similar personalities. Right. It was about just a similar desire to go right. deeper with God. And mm -hmm. it took risk. Yeah. Risk it, and humility. And yep. yep. That's so hard. It's, uh, I just think of all those awkward conversations where I'm like, I like you, not in an awkward way, especially right. for me with my struggle. I'm like, I like you. Let's mm -hmm. be friends. Mm -hmm. And like, that is such a hard conversation, period. But especially and maybe not especially, but it can be hard in my situation because they can get weirded out. And I've had those conversations too. Mm. Yeah, um, you have to explain the like. Yeah. As opposed to if I say, oh, hey, I like you. Let's hang out. Right. right. I mean, people are typically like not put off by that or right. not having to worry. Right. But I have to have kind of some awkward paragraphs around it. Like, mm. I just feel, I'm like, our, our souls are similar and I would like to get to know you more. And I've learned to be like, if they perceive me as weird, I'm just, that's has to be on them. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And I can learn from that experience, but I have to be like, okay, well, there's that. I have to grieve it and move forward. Yeah. Um, so I'm really grateful for our small group. That's just, we all are like, this is not just going to be a study. This is going to be, we get permission to speak into each other's life mm -hmm. and ask the hard questions. And I'm so grateful. So Dave, I'd love to touch on this a little bit with you as well, um, but I know we're going to move into that more deeply in the, 
the heart of the matter section <laughs> of the podcast. Um, but who are some of those pillar people for you? Two people that come to my mind are Dante Venegas, who was my co-pastor, 19 years older than me. Hmm. He's in heaven now. Um, He would take me to prison ministry when we were in seminary together. Hmm. So this goes back many Hmm. years. And he was great at prison ministry because he spent 19 years in prison himself. Oh, wow. So when he would get up there, I would think, man, this is the Billy Graham of prison (laughs) preachers. And he would have them right in his hand because he could speak their experience. One time on the way out there, this is in Ionia, on a Sunday morning, he said, he turns to me and he says, it's your turn today. And I laughed. Oh, no. <laughs> he said, no, really, you're supposed to be in, instant in season and out of season. So I scrambled around and, and preached. And afterwards, he said, that went pretty well. He said, I did uh, discern a spirit of snickering in the crowd that we should cast out. <laughs> oh, I could tell stories on, on Dante. Um, he was vulnerable, very humble, a a prayerful man and mainly he would talk about his mistakes with me and that uh, you yeah. learn from pillars by people who are that vulnerable with yeah. you yeah the other person that comes to my mind is my father-in-law who's also in heaven he was a carpet layer and he had um so lots of calluses on his hands and his knuckles big hands and um so he's you know a blue collar worker guy he's the most affectionate verbally and physically affectionate man mm. I've ever met mm. and he had five girls and to this day they referred to him as daddy mm. and he clearly had his sexuality disciplined by Jesus because his relationship to them could be verbally and physically affectionate all the way through and they never felt like he was inappropriate wow mm. wow I I just want to like sit and think about that yeah, for a while. Yeah. Awesome. You could see why we brought Dave in. Yeah. He's full of great wisdom, which we can't wait to learn more about. But now we're just going to talk about weird stuff for a while. For this section of our podcast, we call Goofball Island. And there it is. There's the sound effect. And this this is what I thought of when we were driving away from the podcast recording last time. I was like, it's like, what about Bob? It's when we take a vacation from our problems. There you go. Yeah. We're just going to refer to movies that are kind of like counseling whenever we want to on baby this podcast. Steps. Yeah. Baby steps. We're going to baby step you all into therapy. So. I'm, a big, I'm a bigger fan of Just Stop It. Just Stop It. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, was that Bob, um, Newhart? Bob, Bob Newhart, I think. Newhart. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Five-minute counseling. <laughs> anyway, you'll be done. Just stop. I'll have to see that one. I haven't, it's a good I haven't one. seen that. It's a good one. <laughs> oh, it's good. You just stop it. Don't do not do bad things anymore. Anyway, we are going to talk about um, if you were in a movie and you wanted someone to play you, who would you pick? And so the movie of your life. Of basically. your life. There okay. you go. Who would play you? It's either someone who looks like you, sounds like you, or who you're just like, man, that person's awesome. Hmm. So who's ready to start? Uh, I'll go. I got some input at okay. home on this. From Kelly. Okay. Well, yeah, my wife, when in my younger days, yeah. she used to see a little Jude Law in me. Oh, there you oh, go. I can see that. Younger yeah. days. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dave. See that. And in Jude Law's younger days, too. We've yeah. kind of gone, you know, opposite. But uh, yeah, so that, um, that my kids think that I remind them of David Wallace from The Office. 
Oh my word! The guy from corporate. Yeah, (gasps) very good. I can't stop seeing it. I know. I see. I I I was hesitant to bring that up, but it was it was you shooting hoops out back with Jim while Dwight was kicking your chimney. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm the one who has a kid who has a drum set, and I don't remember all the details of that character. But anyway, yes, David Wallace. But if we're talking about who I want to play me, and uh, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have to go. Sort of, I'm gonna have to resurrect a couple people. Okay, that's okay. fine. Um, and I'm, I've got it in the casting. It's between Jimmy Stewart um, and yeah. I think Gregory Peck. I think of him from To Kill a Mockingbird. Like yeah. he's like the ultimate dad man. Totally. You know. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I have been told I resemble um, Kristen Bell. I want to keep calling her Kirsten Bell because she reminds me of Kirsten from American Girls. That's going to be those of you who know American Girls. <laughs> You're going to laugh at that. No one else in this room is laughing. <laughs> anyway, Kristen Bell is... I have boys, sorry. <laughs> is, uh, I don't know, she's kind of quirky and blonde and kind of looks she's, like me. She's the voice of Anna from, from Frozen. But oh. if I was to have like a cartoon play me, it'd probably be Queen Elsa because no, no. <laughs> it would be sadness from inside. From inside. Yes, oh. we did experience. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> However, if I had someone play me in a movie, it'd be Meryl Streep because she can play anyone. That's so, true. There oh, yeah. you go. All right. I don't know how that would work, but how for, about, in, for in her would, younger days. For yeah. me, it would be Tom Selleck. Yeah. Oh. We watch Blue Bloods, my wife and I. Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. And, um, I'm Protestant. He's Catholic. So there's a little difference there. And I know he's just playing a role. But I've also, when I had a mustache, people said I looked like him. I don't see it. sound a little like him. Oh, there you go. Okay. You totally sound like Harrison Ford, though. Like, sometimes I start laughing a tiny bit when we're talking on the phone because I'm like, he sounds like Harrison Ford. (laughs) I don't want want him to play me, though. (laughs) Why not? Uh, He's the greatest actor of the generation. Okay. (laughs) Skill, but... Some of the people he represents, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about you, Matt? We asked the internet about who you look yeah, like. Yeah, you're feeling a little insecure. I I don't know who I look like, but um, here's what the internet said. Oh, Chewbacca, which is just me. I would be honored <laughs> to have Chewbacca. Play well, me. it makes sense based on some of our discussions of you Chewbacca. Would be honored <laughs> to have a Wookiee play you. Okay, yeah. uh, like Matt Damon. Who else did people say? You, yeah. I went a little obscure. I I thought um, the guy who plays the lead in the most recent Star Wars movie, um, Diego Luna, I think is his name. I haven't looked that up. You might want to verify that. And Viggo Mortensen, Mm -hmm. Aragorn. Yeah. You'd have to change your hair a little bit. I would have to grow my hair out and get it a little bit more greasy. Yeah. Unless we're doing like the when he's like finally coronated and then he's got the. Oh, yeah. Somehow his beard becomes completely completely different at that point. I'm like. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Not rough enough. Go back to the ranger look. Yes. All right. Or Ben Affleck. All right. I can look at oh, see. Yeah. Come on. You feel a little bit better by yourself? Yeah. I just don't know if I buy it. All right. <laughs> I don't know. This is going to be the next podcast where Dave digs into Matt and my insecurities. And Steve, you want to get sure. in on that? I got those. Okay. Let's talk. We'll talk about that. Oh, you're, wait. Are you going to share your insecurities <laughs> yeah. or are you just going to dig into ours? Dave's going to fix us. I'm in no okay. position to Perfect. dig into anything. On a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast. All right. We're going to move really on now <laughs> to the heart of the matter where we're going to ask Dave uh, a little bit more about those pillar people. And every time that we have a guest on, no matter who they are, and um, Dave is 
the chairman of the board of Hole in My Heart Ministries. He is a senior pastor at Madison Square Church. And so he's someone who's respected both in the community and both by Matt and I, and by the end of this podcast, by producer Steve as well. Already. Already. (laughs) And so um, we're really excited. But every time we have a guest on, we want to talk about how is the gospel good news for you? every day. And so not only like what's your conversion experience, but really like how is it on the regular? You're a pastor, you're respected, but like you still need Jesus too, right? And how does that look? Um, So I'd love to just hear some of, you know, where, where did you first come to know God, that hole in your own heart and how did God meet that? And then um, how is he continuing to do that today? And then we'll talk about some of those pillar people in your life. And really, I'd love to hear, have people here some of the pillar practices that you have in your life, um, how you stay looking more like Jesus. So first, the hole in your heart. When did that first happen? Well, I grew up in a pastor's home. Yeah. And um, my father was the same in the kitchen as he was in the pulpit. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have what some children have who grow up in spiritual leaders' homes where there's disconnect between what they see in the living room, in the kitchen, and what they hear from the pulpit. So um, in spite of that, um, or maybe this is a common story, that when you grow up in a Christian home, you're still really not, you're doing practices, but you're you're not really following Christ. He hasn't filled the hole in your heart. And when I was 14 years old, We moved, and I had to go to a new high school. I was depressed. I didn't have any friends. Mm. And I was sitting in the living room with my mother one time, and I started to weep and because I was reading something about God's love. Wow. And she dropped what she was doing. It was just the two of us. And she just waited. She didn't ask. She just waited. Mm. And then I began to talk a little bit. And shortly after that, we did what's called the sinner's prayer. And my mother is one of my pillars because when you use the word grace and then think, who's the person who is the most graceful and gracious person in your life? That's my mother. Wow. When some of my cousins became pregnant before marriage, they went to my mother, Aunt Aunt Mary, before they went to their own parents because they knew Mm -hmm. the kind of reception they'd get from her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time that you experienced this connection. Like, so it sounds like you were really in a place of need. Like, uh, oh yeah, like mm-hmm. the loneliness was a big yep. piece of it. Yeah. And then, how did God start meeting that loneliness? Maybe then, or as you like developed your faith. Well, Christ became my friend in ways mm-hmm. as never before, and that's been true all along. So even the person closest to you, maybe your spouse or your best friend you still don't feel completely understood by them. And they're not there in the darkest moments sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Christ always has been. Mm. Um, Even when I felt like he was absent, his absence was so strong that I felt his presence, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. Um, He continues to fill my heart in this way. The good things in my life, like my marriage and my intimacy with Melanie, or just being a pastor and yeah. doing ministry. Yeah. The thing is, those can't be my ultimate thing. It's got to be Christ because otherwise they disappoint. The church mm-hmm. disappoints. Um, Melanie, good as she is, is just a human being. Right. Mm-hmm. So the idols in my life get displaced by the one I can worship daily. And mm-hmm. that just keeps happening over and over again. Do you have people, because I have people ask me this, like, Lori, how do you develop a friendship with Christ? Um, 
like I hear a lot of like if if only statements like if only I had this friend or if only I could actually hear God better if only like how did you go from this hole in your heart needing this relationship needing like to feel love like to tears to like really developing that friendship what like what's what's a practice I guess that happened yeah well, in 92, my mother died. So it's 25 years ago this year. Mm-hmm. In fact, a couple of days ago, it was 25 years. Mm-hmm. And my father went to a Catholic retreat center in Wisconsin um, by the advice of a friend. And he spent a whole week there in silence and then meeting with a priest. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful for him. He met Jesus so powerfully in that dark time in his life that he said, I will pay for any of my five children to go there the first time. So the next year I went there. And I met, I wasn't doing well. I was, I was working too hard. I was burning out. And you were a pastor at this time? Yes. At the church you're at now? Yes. Okay. I had been a pastor 10 years by that time. Okay. And um, this Roman Catholic nun was mm-hmm. my spiritual director. And she'd never even heard of the denomination I'm a part of, the Christian Reformed Church. And, and I could tell her anything and everything. Yeah. Uh, so I felt free to do that. So I had kind of a confessional. And she said to me, um, you preach grace, but you seem to live by works. Hmm. From a Roman Catholic nun. Wow. <laughs> wow. You would think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she taught me silence and solitude, and I started to salt that into my life. And as a hmm. result, talk about a pillar practice, every Wednesday for a couple of hours, I spend time in a sanctuary. It happens to be a Roman Catholic church. It's quiet, and I just sit there, and I try to listen to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's like any other relationship. You spend time with that mm-hmm. person and it grows. Are you writing things down? Do you have even your Bible? Or are you literally just sitting there? I have just, my Bible okay. and, and a journal. Yeah. And I'll say things like, okay, God, I feel anxious. Huh. Why do I feel anxious? Huh. And I let the Holy Spirit bring things to mind or conversations to mind. And I, he edits them. Yeah. I get counseling. Wow. <laughs> do you write them down? I like literally like knowing, like, do you like write that down? Like, do you like get it out? Like, oh, yeah. this is frustrating. This is hard. And then yep. like, as you're writing it, do you, does the spirit just kind of like highlight things in almost in between the lines? Oh yeah. That happens often. Sometimes it doesn't though. Yeah. Um, God won't give me answers sometimes on, I think on purpose. It just, mm-hmm. he wants me to wait. Totally. Mm. And that is something like, I don't think we like to wait. <laughs> no, I don't think we like to feel our need but like you even said in your, like the absence of God makes mm. your, the connection to God almost seem more palpable and stronger. And so how, how does that work? Like, how do you lean into need, I guess, lean into almost that hole in your heart, the ongoing hole in your heart? Maybe the best way for me to answer that is just tell you a story. So okay. there was, I'd say two or three months ago, I'm in this sanctuary and it's mostly Spanish speaking people in this congregation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's multi-ethnic, but most, mostly Spanish-speaking. And I'm not hearing God. Mm. And in walks this um, man. He's about 30 years old. And he kneels uh, in, in front of the altar area. It's a very large sanctuary. And he begins to pray out loud in Spanish, crying out to God for 20 minutes. Wow. Mm. And I don't, I don't know much Spanish at all. It sounded like praying in tongues to me. Right. But the fact that he was unburdening himself out loud in this sanctuary, he knew I was there, mm-hmm. um, was such a powerful experience for me mm. of um, vulnerability and openness 
And after about five minutes, because it went on and on and on, after about five minutes, it became almost like music for me. Wow. So then I began to pray. Um, here's, I guess, the point is that when I'm making myself open to God, even if I'm not hearing him or sensing his absence, he loves me so much, something like this keeps happening. Wow. Some left field or mm-hmm. yep. side door thing happens. Yeah. Yep. In a way that you're not expecting it. Yep. So so in those times when when you are somewhat struggling to to like hear God the way that you normally would hear him. Are there times when okay, so in those dry seasons, what do you have to say to yourself? What if it feels like you're just kind of plodding through the process and not really like how do you how do you hold on? Who do you turn to, you know, to your pillar people or, or what do you do to really give yourself strength to to move on if he's having you wait or if he's if he's not giving you the answer right away yeah that comes from experience that you you experience staying with your disciplines Hmm. especially the psalms because the psalms are Mm. there's the range of human emotion and where Mm -hmm. are you god and how long oh god and and i'm angry god and would you knock off my enemies god and all that sort of stuff that's putting it kindly right (laughs) some of so i'll i'll usually go back to the psalms if like i'm like reading through the bible for the whole year i might Mm -hmm. drop that for a while and go probably go to the psalms and then Mm -hmm. trust that the momentum of the discipline will eventually uh, my soul or or the conversation will catch up to it again Mm -hmm. and that's happened over and over again it's like other relationships Mm -hmm. that i have with human beings i keep dating my wife every week even if we're going through a dry spell in fact to get out of the dry spell i keep doing it yeah Mm. well you have to yeah and i think we we don't often give god that that same space (laughs) you know where we're we're we understand that there's times when we have relationship with people that it's just going to be a little tense. Mm. And, you know, oftentimes I feel like we still view God as this, the genie in the bottle. Like I'm doing all the right things. I'm, mm. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible. I'm heck, I'm ahead in my Bible reading plan. Like, <laughs> God, this is where the blessings come in. Right. And, yeah. and then it doesn't work that way, you know, and it's not it, a formula. No. Right. One of the, one of the things that when we went to, to Ashland, there's a man there named Terry Wardle. That, it's Ashland Seminary, and they have this like formational prayer seminar that we've been to. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So the pr- formational prayer seminar. He talks about spiritual disciplines and how, you know, you can be reading your Bible and they can just be words on a page, or you can be praying and it's just listening to yourself talk. But those, all those spiritual disciplines are supposed to posture us, posture our heart to actually connect with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, with God, and and if that's not happening sometimes that's something in us that it, it's become this checklist, just works-based thing. Um, but even in doing that, like our, our heart can slowly just become more postured to, to hear from Christ. And so I was talking about that on a different podcast this week that we were, we were the guests on and um, it was a different blog I wrote where I just wrote about how we, um, we have a different health and wealth gospel as millennials and those, you know, I feel like maybe generations before us, it's like, do good stuff, you get lots of money and blessing, which is health. So health and wealth. But I feel like for millennials, it's maybe like, no, that's not cool. It's, you know, it's more 
justice focused, which is great, but it's more like if I do X, Y, Z, genie God is going to give me no pain. Hmm. And so as a um, result of that, we have become, I think, very emotionally emaciated and spiritually thin people who don't know how to persevere. Mm -hmm. And so like when it gets tough, we're like, we'll forget it all. Bye. I'm gone. Like in the first time it gets tough, like let alone like going through real suffering, Mm -hmm. like But as Keller, you know, I know Dave, (laughs) Pastor Dave loves Tim Keller too, but he says that's like where we really get to know God and that's where we develop. That's, and that's Paul, that's a Bible, but he, that's like, he's like, you have to go through suffering in order to develop any sort of character and character hope and hope does not disappoint. And so that we see that in you, Dave, and we we're trying to fight against, I think the emotional Tylenol that the culture provides us in so many different ways. Um, but it's hard. So here's going back to some of those pillar people, Dave. Um, I I know that when we have chatted, you have an accountability group that is really important to you. This right. isn't just like I just we just catch up and say how's how's your heart. It's like what's you bring things to them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yep. There's six of us that get together probably for eight years now, every other week for an hour and a half. Hmm. And um, we're all in leadership positions and we get requests for things. Um, Speak here or be on this board or for me, it was a call to another church one time. Mm. And we call it our D group or discernment group. And um, we ask tough questions. And if that group says to us, even if we want to do something, says to us, we caution you, we don't think you should, then we don't do it. And um, when I began to talk about that with other people, I can sense in most people a longing for a group like that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where people will be corrective when, when they, there's such an equity of trust and it comes from spending so much time together. Mm. Month after month, twice a month for an hour and a half, for eight years. Wow. And, and then when we can't meet, something comes up in between, we'll send an email out and then people give responses. It's a very high priority email. Hmm. You know, someone else sends me emails, this one's gonna get answered first because this group's so important to us. Mm-hmm. So how is it different than a small group? Or could, so Matt, this new small group we have, could that be something like that? Or is it is it totally different? Like this is really for like decision making. Well, it started that way, but I the decision making okay. part of it, and uh-huh. I and that's really the way we treat it. But I think a small group ours is actually a little large for what we do. Yeah, um, you can do that with three or four. I think two is probably not. It's not a small group anymore. It's just a couple. But uh, I think your small group should be able to get to that point. But once again, if you meet less than twice a month, yeah, it probably won't happen mm-hmm. because you're you're not going deep enough. You're not right. spending enough time together. Right. Yeah. And I mean, in order to really submit yourself, you know, for, as you said, some of these things that you really want to do, you're excited about, and they might be pushing back saying, we don't, we don't think that's a good thing. Like, you know, for, for you to be able to submit yourself to that kind of leadership guidance, you know, that takes a, an incredible amount of trust in the people that you're, that you're interacting with. And one of my pillars said one time, my father said, um, your no's are usually more spiritual than your yeses or mm-hmm. spirit led. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because our yeses are often too based on our ego, our pride or reputation or whatever. 
And our no's are usually based on prior things that God has said to us or called us to that don't make room for mm-hmm. this other. A simple example is I said yes to Melanie with vows. Right. Which means that I have a prior commitment to her, which means other things I can't. And it's not just about other women. It's about time. It's about weekends. It's about mm-hmm. how I spend Sunday night after church, That all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Well, Dave, you, uh, you're a very busy person. This is the last question I'll probably throw at you, except I could just ask all day long. <laughs> this is why we appreciate you. Um, but you are the chairman of our board now. And that was kind of a funny conversation because Dave is our senior pastor and we go to a different site, Madison at the Ford, and we love our pastor there. Um, but Dave is our senior pastor and became our mentor and was helping us with this Caring Well event that's coming this fall. And um, we were sitting around, Matt and I, and we were like, this ministry is hard. And we don't know how to do this whole marriage ministry marriage and then real life marriage simultaneously. It was getting tough. And so we went to our mentor, Dave, and we're like, Dave, here's what we feel like we need. And we started describing this person who could help direct us and who would care about our hearts, but also care about the ministry focus. And um, he's like, well, do you know anyone like that? And I looked at him, I was like, Hi, you need another job? <laughs> and I seriously thought he'd laugh me off the, out of the room, but he was like, huh. And so from that, um, Dave is still senior pastor at Madison, and um, he is now our chairman. But Dave, why did you say yes to the crazy pair of us and and this not like extremely easy job that we're doing? Yeah, good question. (laughs) I think I didn't mean that as a joke. (laughs) I think when I look back at the challenges I faced when I was in my 20s and 30s, Mm -hmm. became a pastor of a church at age 27. Yeah in a pretty complicated environment. It, it was uh, growing and multi-ethnic. So the, the conflicts that we would have, there was always a, a racial ethnic layer or lens. Right. And um, I had some people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who saw my need and also that I was willing to listen. Mm. I, I knew I didn't know it all. Um, and the, I think those two things together, they saw the need, they loved me, and I was willing to listen, um, meant that I got mentored really well. And I realized as time went on how important it was. And almost everything that came to me, I would think, I wonder how my mentor would respond to this. And I would, I would pretty quickly be able to say, oh, that's how. I think that's the way I should respond. So they, they were in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm of the age I am, in my early 60s, but even before that, I feel like, okay, because that was so important to me, I got apprenticed into leadership. I need to do that with others too. Hmm. And I can see that God's using you for influence. Hmm. Um, I can see the need. You have needs. (laughs) (laughs) We're perfect. Surely not. (laughs) And you're serious about asking and listening. Yep. Well, thank you. Again, I don't mean to ask these questions to get complimented, but I appreciate it. And we're so glad to have you on the team. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on this podcast. I'm, if you'll come back, I'd like to have you back again because I think, no, I know you are someone who has just a vast well of knowledge and we're grateful for it. 
So Dave, thank you so much, Steve, Matt. Um, our question of the week this week, I just wrote it down as you were talking. You just mentioned the Psalms. And I think next week we're going to dive into lament. We're going to go there. All right, all right. <laughs> and so to lead us into that, I would just like to know what's one of your favorite Psalms? What's one that you like to go to? Um, and Dave, I know you have some that are memorized. Maybe you could just answer yours right now. Psalm 16 is the one I fall asleep on every night. So I try to rehearse it or recite it before I fall asleep. That actually came from one of my retreats with the Catholic, Roman Catholic nun, talking about how you fall asleep and what are you thinking about. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, one I, that's not a lament. Mm-hmm. Um, you have shown me the pathway of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore is the way it ends. Mm-hmm. So that's what I go to sleep with every night. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how many of us go to sleep looking at Instagram? And so anyway, I'm convicted like 25 times over. So with that, (laughs) let's move on. So thanks so much for listening. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody, every day. Learn more at himhministries.com.